What's one thing you would do differently in your career? Two things. I would have gotten a coach earlier in my career. I, I was without a coach between 19 and 25. So I would have gotten a coach earlier and gotten in better shape earlier. And, and then I would not have played as much. I would have played fewer tournaments and, and concentrated more on the slams and just not, you know, run myself ragged playing all these events. I mean, I played, I think the least amount of tournaments I played in a year was 16, I believe. Hey everyone, John Wertheim here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast Beyond the Baseline. Our guest this week is Martina Navratilova, or simply Martina per her Twitter handle. I feel silly talking about her achievements. It's like saying Michael Jordan was a shooting guard for the Bulls in the 80s and 90s. You, of course, know all about her. World number one for 332 weeks. See, Jamie Lasanti, producer, I will mention her achievements. She won, of course, 18 majors in singles, 31 in doubles. That's an all-time record. 10 in mixed. Quite apart from all of her tennis achievements, she is a towering figure as a human being. She's really terrific. Everyone likes Marty. She's the kind of person, Jamie, who will buy you a tie when she finds your wardrobe is lacking. We've been talking about doing this for a while, and we caught up with her in Miami. She was, as you might expect, terrific and terrifically candid. That's how she rolls. Uh, without further ado, let's bring her in. She, I believe, is fresh off of her paddleboard. Perfect timing. So you're I haven't good. had a chance to brew me another cup of coffee yet, but uh, I'm going to do that while we speak. <laughs> brew? It's like, it's like Andy Roddick's Periscope. You can brew, <laughs> brew coffee, just plug it. It's like Lavazza or Grey Goose. Plug your coffee. Oh. <laughs> um, thanks for doing this. This is sure. very casual. It's okay. Meant, is, it, is this your first podcast? My first what? Have you done this before? I've done a podcast, but I did it in person uh, with a guy for some... Yeah, Dave Zirin? This is Dave Zirin. Oh, sport. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good man. Yeah. Um, so where, where are your, your home in... Uh, you're home in Florida now? Yeah. yeah. I'm in Miami. On the water. It's beautiful. Really nice. It's, it's cooling down somewhat, so it's manageable to be outside, actually. It's not too bad. What, what is, uh, what's life like for you when you're, not, uh, when you're not at majors, when you're not at events? What's life like? You know, yeah. it's, it's more busy when I'm home than when I'm working. Because when I'm working, it's a very set schedule and uh, pretty much predictable schedule. And... Uh, and I have more time to myself because I don't have to take care of anybody else. Here, you know, you take care of the kids, you have to fix food, make sure they go to school and all that stuff. And then you got to take care of all the animals and run errands for, you know, house. We just moved houses and there's always something going on. I just want to pick up the new ladder for the dog so I can go paddleboarding. You know, it's always stuff going on. It's a lot less busy when I'm actually working. I got to ask, what, what, what do dogs have to do with paddleboarding? Oh, duck. Oh, 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 oh. New duck. <laughs> oh. We love that paddle boarding. You're into that too, right? I, I've only done it, well, a couple times before I bought my paddle board. Uh, we live on the water now, so I, I got a paddle board. I've only been on it twice, but the very first time I was on it, I, there was dolphins fishing about 10 yards from the paddle oh, board. Man. So on on salt water? Standing. On uh, water, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on the we're on the uh, bay here in in Miami, so it's uh, and these dolphins they swam by the house about an hour before that, 
And I thought they'd be long gone, but they settled in the bay and uh, were fishing. So, you know, I ran into them an hour later. It was pretty cool. Oh, my God. I, w- yeah. I went paddleboarding uh, in Cape Cod the week before the Open, which I thought was cool. And then the next day they said there was a shark sighting. And it became less cool. Um, yeah, less cool. Yeah, don't stick your feet out off the off the paddleboard. Oh my god! <laughs> Keep uh, the uh, I bet you're good at that. It's paddleboard's all about core strength. I bet your uh, core strength I'm is okay. your core strength. I bet you're good. Yeah, at that. I'm okay. I'm I'm okay. My core's not bad, but I, I thought this isn't doing anything. But I went on an hour paddleboard, and about halfway through, my arms started getting you know shaky. Not not bad, but I'm like, okay, now I'm feeling it. So it's great because it works the whole body. No and, uh, anyway, it's so nice to be on the water. Yeah. Not bad. Aspen's not bad either. But uh, all right, let's let's talk a little tennis, and then we'll talk real stuff. Um, sure. We're what are we doing this? We're we're doing this on uh, Tuesday, which is forever going to be known as the day that uh, Angeline and Brad Pitt broke up. Can you believe it? You I, heard that? I had no idea this was coming down the pike. I mean. You know the 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 National Enquirer. They've broken them up so many times before they even <laughs> yeah, got right. married. So, but this one seems to be for real. So, just playing the odds. The uh, whoever thought a celebrity couple wouldn't make it. Um, but uh, <laughs> what, what are we? We're ten days after the Open. What, what are what are some of your what are some of your takeaways? Well, I think first of all, that was the best uh, slam of the year for me. I think the most intriguing overall. A lot of different storylines, and uh, you know, the youngsters breaking through or not. Uh, you know, like Zverev kind of. Uh, uh, did not did not break through as we thought, uh, but uh, but then we got Pliskova uh, uh, coming through, and and perhaps would have won had it not been for the weather. The weather played a big part in in everything, and uh, there was just a lot of uh, interesting uh, storylines uh, going on. Some great drum- dramatic matches. Uh, it was uh, unpredictable uh, in it. Uh, on, on both sides, uh, and predictable at the same time. I mean, on the women's side, we've had the unpredictability in that we had so many uh, people really falling off the wayside before they get to the semis and finals. To, so Serena has, you know, hasn't had to face the top players. Right, right. This time they got there, but then uh, she ends up, uh, you know, losing to, to somebody that, uh, you know, we didn't see that coming. So it was just so unpredictable. On both the women's side and the women's side. I mean, the women's... final was more predictable once Vavrinka got there, but, you know, nobody was talking about Stan Vavrinka yeah, before exactly. the Open. Exactly. And he almost, you know, he'd match point down to uh, to Dan Evans. He's lucky, lucky he uh, made it past the middle weekend. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, someone just asked me this. I wonder what you say. Serena wins X more slams. Roger wins Y more slams. Rafa wins Z more slams. Put, put in values. Ah, if I was betting, I would say zero for Roger, mostly because of his body. Right. And I think his best chance was this year at Wimbledon, and it was. He was basically within one point of getting to the finals. If he broke uh, Brownich, would have served it out, would have been in the finals. Right. Um, but I think now that he's not playing anymore, it's I just don't see it happening. I would love for him to win it again, but I don't think he can. Rafa, possibly the French. So I think Rafa might have one more French in him. Um, Serena. And uh, Serena, that's so much one or two, I would say. Uh, depends on her on also on her body and her motivation. You know, will she get motivated enough 
to even like try to go for the number one ranking for the rest of the year. Uh, she's just talking about unpredictable. You just never know which, uh, you know, which way she's going to go. Right. And, you know, we, we if forget. If she keeps playing and is healthy, probably two more. That's like, I think yeah. that was, I think that was the same number I gave where you, you say yeah. like, you know, this year, look, she, she went, uh, what she final, final win semi. So, uh, exactly. Not exactly an off year, actually very consistent year for her uh just not the titles that she would have liked or not as many i mean she still got wimby but uh yeah you 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 and i've talked about this and i feel like you are boxed into an unpleasant situation that you handle very well when you you don't want to uh you know you don't want to appear ungracious but you don't want to sort of diminish your own achievements but it's a very different game now than it was when you were playing what's one thing you would do differently in your career well, I would have got two things. I would have gotten a coach earlier in my career. I, I was without a coach between 19 and 25, six years without a coach. So I would have gotten a coach earlier and gotten in better shape earlier. Um, but more, and, and then I would not have played as much. I would have played fewer tournaments and, and concentrated more on the slams and, and just not you know run myself ragged playing all these events. I mean, I played, I think the least amount of tournaments I played in a year was 16, I believe. Ooh. That's that's twice as many as Serena this year. Well, and and that's more than probably she ever played. I don't know if she ever played more than sixteen in any one year, and I never played fewer than sixteen. Even like played twenty, twenty-one some years. Uh, so uh, you know, I was between seventeen and eighteen tournaments for the year most of my uh, career, between like twenty-five and the end of my career, and I would have definitely played less in my thirties, and and uh, and played fewer doubles as well. I just I just played too much. I was also looking it up. Uh, I, I hope this doesn't sting too much. You you missed the Australian Open fifteen times, I think. I I didn't play it fifteen times. I think that's right. Is that possible? I don't know how many times I did play. That's possible. Well, you know, again, uh, it was different time. Uh, we had a different schedule. We were playing still in December, and then you're supposed to go to Australia in January. So. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Or then Australia was in November a few years, and we started in January, in uh, you know in, in the US in the US and played the indoor tour. You know I would play ten tournaments before Wimbledon. You know so it was wow. just a completely different schedule and different philosophy. Um, and and the the Australian Open wasn't that important. Neither was the French uh, for us. The season-ending championships was the third biggest tournament of the year, um, and. Uh, and, and and the year ending number one was huge, and you know they had to have either Chris or me at, at every tournament, so we ended up playing more than we wanted to. The um, you know what one of my favorite stories that you tell is maybe I'll have you tell it now. Do you, do you remember when you went back to the uh, I, I don't I think I don't think it was the Czech Republic then, but you you went back to Prague and you you played I, I think it was a Fed Cup match and the the railroad car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, well, there yeah, a ninety-second version of that? I love that story. Is there like a ninety-second <laughs> well, version? It was you can uh, Fed Cup in '86, uh, then still Czechoslovakia, and the only reason they got the Fed Cup was they promised that whoever was nominated by their respective federation would be able to play, which meant me because uh, they would not normally give me visa to come back to Czechoslovakia, but they had to honor that. So they got to the Fed Cup. So you know, I was number one in the world and played with Chris uh, and Pam Shriver and Zina Garrison on the team. And uh, the first match, because they still didn't want to kind of recognize me, they put us on the second bigger court. The 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 center court was 
Russia, well, Soviet Union versus Bulgaria, <laughs> wow. and they put us on on court one against China, who was not that strong back then. But you know, we were obviously the biggest attraction. With I was number one in the world. Chris was number two. Pam is like number four, and they put us on outside <laughs> right. court. Uh, and then the people were, but it was the old. Uh, court where they played the Davis Cup. That was the old center court of the of the club where they played Davis Cup. So they still had some of the stands up there and, and, and the the far end of the court, uh of the far sideline of the court was uh, train train uh, railroad tracks and the train would go by and when we were when I was playing the match the train actually stopped because the conductor wanted to watch for a little bit. So that was pretty cool. That that the, the I love that story. The the point was sort of the the authorities and the government and the sporting ministry could do what it could, but the people, the Czech people still wanted, you, you were still, the, the, you're still a hero to them. Yeah, and, and they made it into a bigger event than it was because of that. So, you know, there were a few people watching the the, the Russians, and, and there were a lot more of them hanging. Little, it climbed up on trees and, and terraces, and, and, and the people that were on center court were watching, hanging over the railing, watching our match. So... Where people every everywhere that that were, that could be a human being, there was a human being, and then the railroad track, you know, they stopped too. So that was uh, was amazing. I love that. That's that's the first scene in your documentary. I love that story. <laughs> um, what what's your relationship with you know the the Czech Republic of today is not the Czechoslovakia that you left. What what's your relationship right now? Well, with um, your mother country? in fact, uh, just uh, last week right after the open, the Czech embassy every year they have like they uh, they have what they call a um, Oh, God, I can't remember what, like a festival in honor of a famous Czech. Most of them have died, but uh, they did this in honor of me, and I'm still alive. So I was able to visit my own festival, and they had a, uh, I did like a speech uh, at the Washington Post, uh, and uh, and then I had a dinner in my honor at the Czech embassy, uh, and Madeleine Albright uh, introduced me, uh, and so you know that was a nice reconnect with my Czech roots. Still a Czech citizen, uh, but uh, on an official level, there is there is no connection. But I still go there two, three times a year. My sister still lives there, and uh, you know it feels like home when I when I go there. Uh, so it's a very very uh, it's 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 a happy relationship, but not an official one. Really, I, I hear you. You have the same background soundtrack that I do, and I want to ask What's you. That? Uh, I thought I heard. Uh, thought I heard one of your children. Oh, that, oh that's one of the birds. Oh, okay. One of the birds is oh, that is not the same soundtrack that I have. Then um, he's, he's the yellow named Amazon. He's going yap yap yap. I could I could give you a better soundtrack. If I <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Pushkin, stop it, Pushkin. That's Pushkin. See. I that's, love it. Wait, what, what's your uh, what's the latest on your on your menagerie? What's what's I, I was going to ask you about being a parent. Well, we'll it's a high that. count. I don't want to really really tell, but right. we have uh, we have uh, four dogs plus. We have three cats and four birds plus, and then and then a couple other species. <laughs> Every, everybody gets along, okay? It's busy. Everybody gets along. Yeah, right. everybody's good. What? Um, but I was going to ask you about being. What have you learned about yourself being a parent? And I, and I have to say, and you you know, I feel this way. Even if we weren't uh, doing this podcast for them, you you know, I I think your kids are super fantastic. They are. Uh, I, I won't name names. They're they're awesome. But what? Uh, I, I what have you learned about yourself as a parent? Uh, that you need to put your ego on the side because uh, you know you're never as disrespected uh, in the world as you are by your own kids. <laughs> <laughs> Damn straight. 
and, right. and and particularly for me, you know, again, I come from this Czech Czech event, and Madeleine Albright is singing my praises, and then I come home the next day, and and my kid is telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to their school, <laughs> you know, whatever. So uh, it's um, it's humbling. Um, it's humbling. But you but you've really taken to this role, haven't you? Well, it's yes. I mean, I, you know, I take my. Whatever role I, I occupy, whether it's a coach or a player or a, a activist or a parent, I take it seriously. So maybe too seriously sometimes. I know I, I need to lighten up, and I think as a parent, I'm, I probably could be easier on the kids. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm not any harder on them than I would be on myself. But then again, I was pretty hard on myself, so maybe that's not such a good barometer. But uh, I just try to be fair and consistent, and uh, and and know that they can depend on me. Um, but I'm not gonna tell them that they're great when they're not. That's just not my style. Are you uh, you still hard on yourself? Yeah, I think so. But much more forgiving. I mean, you know, the 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 expectations are completely different now. And most of all, I don't stress about anything really. After everything that I've been through in my life, it just you just can't be bothered. <laughs> is that, is that uh? Is, I'm just talking about this. So, are, is this where you are? Is this, someone said to me, they said, "You know where I am right now in my life? I'm out of shits to give." I just can't of, give a shit. Out of what? Out of shits to give. I love that expression. Like, I just can't give a shit anymore. I can't. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, I, I think the thing I worry about the most at the moment <laughs> and for the next 50 days or so left uh, before the election is the election. I really, really worry about that because I really think this could have such profound repercussions for not just us as a family or, or, or this country, but the whole world. And it's really scary to me. Um, so I, I worry about that. My life personally is is piece of cake, and it's great. I love it. What? Let's talk about the election. Just because I mean, I think anyone that knows you or, or follows you on social media, I mean, I don't think it's a great secret where your leanings are. But I'm, what do you make of this whole Trump phenomenon? Just as a phenomenon. I mean, you know what I'm saying. What, what What do you make of it as a phenomenon? I. I think so much of it has to do with the fact that he is a rich man. If he was a poor man, even if he was successful in some field that you know was amazingly successful, but he didn't make money, people wouldn't give him such a wide berth. I mean, the berth that he gets is amazing. I tweeted about that today. Imagine if Hillary Clinton had said the same thing about her daughter that Donald Trump said about his daughter vis-a-vis, oh, Ivanka's so hot, if I, she wasn't my daughter, I'd be dating her. Can you imagine Hillary, Trump, Hillary Clinton saying that? Unfathomable. Unfathomable. Uh, stuff that he said about John McCain. Yeah, I like our veterans, but I prefer if they didn't get caught. I mean, and he, it's, everybody's okay with that. I don't understand how that's okay. So many of the things he has said are not okay. Yet, people accept it. You know, evangelicals prostrate themselves in front of him. And the man is not, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I, uh, as you can see, I'm at a loss for words. I, but the, the politics has just become so much about feeling uh, and ideology rather than facts. Uh, you know, I mean, Trump says the climate change is a hoax perpetrated by the Chinese. I mean, on what planet are you living on to say that? Actually, it's a planet that's getting hotter, but that's beside the point. The, um, no, I mean, you, you know what I think is is interesting is that I think people and I, and I bet there are a lot of politicians 
of recent years that are kicking themselves, I feel like he gets a wide berth in part because it's unscripted. It doesn't sound like a political candidate. It doesn't sound like talking points. It doesn't sound like these remarks have been prepared or even thought about. And I feel like one of the reasons he gets this wide berth is because people are tired of what sound like doctored statements or focus group tested statements. This guy just talks like the guy at the bar and doesn't get, I mean, I, I feel like this sort of unbridled candor is something. Yeah, that but it's, can... it's, it's not even candor. It's unbridled lies. That's the problem. Candor is one thing, but when you just make stuff up and people still don't hold you accountable for that, that is unacceptable. You can say, okay, this is what I think, even, you know, except the stuff that, you know, we need to close off the border, whatever. Okay, that's your opinion. But when you say there were thousands of Muslims cheering when the, when the towers went down, and it's just simply not true, and, right, and, and right. nobody says anything. And now with this, this Bertha thing, same thing. You know, he, he's been lying about it for years. Oh, I got people looking in Hawaii, and you won't believe what they found. I'll tell you about that later. And now we find out those people don't exist. And, and then it's Hillary is... Uh... And Hillary started the yeah, Hillary, really. Hillary started the rumor, you know. And now I finished it, really. I mean, it's you know, reality bears no semblance to what uh, what, what 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 he's saying and 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 per, uh, and and uh, proposing and 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 stating as fact. But he said in his book, if you if you say a lie enough times, people will believe it, and that's exactly what's happened. So, I, I think you're really. I think the the money is really interesting. That uh, yeah, this it, is this has imbued him with a certain sort of, you know, hey, he's a billionaire. Therefore, who, how wrong could exactly, he be? Who who is going to challenge a billionaire? Who is going to challenge Warren Buffett or Richard Branson? Say, you know what? I think you're full of shit. Nobody's going to say that to them. Bloomberg and, did. and of course, we think he's a billionaire. We don't really know because again, he hasn't released his taxes. But uh, he gets away with it because nobody's. He's got basically what I call fuck you money. He can he can say whatever he wants and get away with it. I'll give you my Michael Bloomberg as uh, a bulwark against that. But uh, any, anyway, we can. Um, yeah, it, it's your your state, by the way. I'm, I'm surprised by the uh, level of Trump support in Florida. Ah, uh, well, I just saw some latest poll among most likely voters, and I think it's 47, uh, 46 percent for Hillary and 41 for Donald. So. We'll see how it pans out. By the way, I refuse to call Trump by his last name Trump because he keeps saying Hillary. And, and, and even the commentators or the pollsters say, are you for Hillary or are you for Trump? Oh, they yeah. No, you, you know what, Trump. though? I, I got to say, I, I saw that. It, I feel a little – it reminded me of Venus and Serena. The fact that they're – that one I think – you know, the, the fact that there's another Clinton that was recently president the same way – there are two Williams. If All she right. was the first one, they would still be saying Hillary. I guarantee you. It's just this—they—they they have too much respect. To, why don't they say Donald? What's yeah, wrong right. with Donald? So I say DT and HRC. By the way, and it's also <laughs> shorter for, and it also fits better for Twitter because then you don't lose so many characters. <laughs> I'll point. I'll take this opportunity to point out that you are a great follow. I get a lot oh, of my. You. I get a lot of my news clicking on. Uh, clicking on your on your links. Um, I want you know you know I want to ask you this question that I've always wondered that you and I have spent a fair amount of time together um, through Tennis Channel and working working together on TV right. and one thing I'm always uh, sort of I, I find astonishing is how many people approach you and want something I think I I've, 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 we've talked about this right 
Yeah. And people come by and it's, it's, can I have a photo and can I have an autograph and let me tell you a story and can you come yeah. to my charity event and yeah. would you consider donating? Is that yeah. something you ever get used to? I'm, I'm really, because I, I, I see this day in, day out with you and it, you, you know, you handle it with grace and sometimes you're clearly agitated, but don't let it show. Is it, is this something you eventually get used to or is this still a challenge? No. Don't get used to it, but it's it's difficult because it puts you on the defensive because you end up having to say no, or then you're put out of your you know comfort zone and have to say yes even though you were trying to do something else. You know whether it's you know I need to buy a hat for a friend at the U.S. Open and good luck going to one of those booths and not be bothered by hundred people, or or just walking down the street and and I always wondered why celebrities wear sunglasses and it's so that people don't make eye contact. I figured it out once I became one, and it's so that you don't make eye contact with people so they don't know that you're looking at them because once you make eye contact, that's when they come to you and ask for something. So that, that that's where the sunglasses come in handy, and I hate that, but uh, you know you end up doing that more often than than you would want because um, you know you want to say hello and be friendly but you know I'm not asking you for anything uh, so I, it, it's awkward it's it's weird it's weird and, and you want to make people happy but at the same time you know I have a life to live too and, and you know I still need to get uh, uh, some tomatoes you know in the grocery store and now I, I forget to get the tomatoes because I took a picture with somebody and, and I come home and I don't have any tomatoes so it's a problem that's what kids are <laughs> for what, what what about the flip side of that though which is that I've also seen people come up to you and you've never met them and yet you've had a profound impact on their life. And sometimes this is for you know reasons of sexuality and sometimes it's for reasons of citizenship right. and sometimes it's just for sports reasons. I mean, what, what yeah. is the flip side of that where you've had impact on people that you've, you've never met? That's, that is what, what's so cool. I think we all have an a, a, a opportunity to make an impact for peop- on people that we do know, that we, you know, we bump into, whether it's strangers on the street or, or family members or friends. But few of us have a have a opportunity to make an impact on people that you never met before, and that is just an outstanding quality that uh, you can't quantify and you can't put into uh, you know into any kind of a value other than it's amazing and humbling and fantastic and uh, you know it, it's great when people come to me and say that it just makes you feel like you know I've done something good in my life so it's very cool. I, I also I've, I've written this so I feel like I don't. I don't feel like I'm sucking up right now, but uh, I, I feel like a lot of these decisions that you've made were made before times when it was politically voguish. You know what I mean? Sure. That, you, that you made these decisions at a time when social impact and social justice and right. it, it it really probably wasn't a factor in your decision making. And I wonder if that isn't part of the appeal. Well, you sort of do these things before they were sexy. If that makes any sense. Yeah, well, I I did things because they were the right thing to do, uh, and uh, they were right for me, and they were, and, and this is who I am. So um, I I did not think about whether you know it would be better to wait a year or ten, <laughs> uh, because uh, that's not who I am. So uh, and I think that's why I affected so many people in a positive way because I did come out long before it was uh, acceptable on any level. Um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Sports Illustrated uh, brushed out the wedding ring that I had on my hand. Uh, that was, it showed this gold band when I was on the cover after winning Wimbledon in 1990, and it was a follow-through of a surf. So my left hand showed, and I had a very thin gold band from when I was with uh, in a relationship with Judy Nelson. I wore this 
gold band, and they and they photoshopped it out back then in 1990, so it wouldn't be seen because it was too controversial for people. And uh, and so, you know, I was way ahead of my time, but again, I wasn't thinking about it that when when it when it was happening because it was my life and. And uh, I, I never felt that I had anything to apologize for. But I think because I came out so early, I affected so many people and it, it made, made them feel better about themselves, which uh, was an unintended but very, very uh, appreciated uh, side, side effect of that. Can I apologize 26 years hence on behalf of Sports Illustrated? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> I've never heard that. Remind me to tell you a funny story about uh, – your your parents in Sports Illustrated another time, but that can wait. Um, okay. So what um, – I, I asked us to uh, Dirk Nowitzki the other day about being German. I, I'll ask you the same thing. What, what's the most European thing about you right now? My most European thing yeah, about me? I don't me? know. What, what's one of the most from, from... – Probably uh, the love of really, really good food and a really appreciation of fine foods and fresh food. Well, you know, good. picking the picking the fruit straight off the tree. You know, the uh, that's what you should do for your tomatoes. <laughs> you know? Well, my mom, my mom had great tomatoes in the garden. We had growing. I, I grew up with tomatoes in my garden. We never had to go shopping for them. <laughs> she didn't. She because could, perhaps I, I forgot about them. Could avoid the paparazzi. Um, all right, last question. I'm only half kidding when I say this. When's the Martina documentary? What about it? When, when's it coming out? Oh, uh, it depends on who buys it. I mean, it's out, so it's up for bidding. And uh, I think, uh, you know, we'll see if Tennis Channel buys it or ESPN or whoever. Uh, but it's it's available now, I think, for distribution. Just whoever depend, decides to pay enough for it, I guess. BBC owns the rights to it, so I, I, I'm really out of that loop. Too bad you don't know anyone at Tennis Channel that might... Uh... <laughs> I need to twist some arms, I guess. Exactly. Um, all right, I said half an hour. We've hit half an hour. This was great. This was fun, right? It was half an hour. That was fun. Was that That's fun, right? Well, anytime, anytime. You, anytime. I, I don't want to ask you for. I don't want to be one of those people that lines up and asks you for favors. I've seen how <laughs> unseemly that is. Well, uh, I'd love to do this again, though. That was great. Okay, anytime. Just Let like me know. Talk and shop. All right, go cool. back to paddleboarding. Tell the guy. Uh, tell the gang I said hi. Okay, I will. Thank Take care. You. Bye. All right, everyone, that is this week's podcast. Our guest, Martina Navratilova, was terrific, as we expected. And maybe we'll take her up on that and do another podcast with her. We've had all sorts of fun. We've had Dirk Nowitzki and Martina back-to-back offering to do this podcast again. I suspect some of you might be uh, offended, at a minimum surprised by some of the political talk, but I also feel like you, you know what? When it comes to Martina, you get what you get. And uh, I don't think anyone that knows her would be surprised that she went there. Usually a taboo, but we make exceptions for uh, for legends. So that is this week's podcast. Again, your comments, guest suggestions, feedback is always welcome. I'm John Wertheim. My producer, as always, Jamie Lasanti, guest Martina Navratilova. Follow her at Martina. She has taken the first name as her Twitter handle. She got there before anyone else We'll have a new guest next week. We'll talk more tennis. And thanks for listening. Have a good week, everyone.